My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Yes, I played Chris's entire intro there by request from our Discord. Hey, kids, do you like pro wrestling? Well, we like pro wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Yeah, I... I, I just surprised a listener recently, Hawkins, with apparently the reveal that I played the entire intro to the uh, yeah. Shake Them Ropes. Like, <laughs> I made the intro. They're like, oh, I, I love that theme. Who did that? I was like, that was me. And they're like, Really? I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I do the wait. Music. You play guitar, I, I, and that's how you can tell nobody listens to the entire show. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, no, no. If you ever get to the end of the episode, you'll you'll hear quite clearly that like I do well, things with the music. Well, I get bored with Hawkins' snarkiness. That's you know, he just hates everything. So, <laughs> so oh, I never no. really. Well, get you're to always the end of you're always show. going in on Jericho on every show, and it's <laughs> it's kind of it, it gets very tedious. Oh. People have to cancel out easy we're not there yet um so what what happened last week um as i'm getting ready to hang up uh the the, the zoom call with chris i go oh yeah i i probably need some room on my hard drive to render this show so i just basically deleted my entire zoom folder and of course it has all the temp files from the meeting in there and oh and I you know and of course I delete the trash and then I recover them and uh when I tried to render them after recovery uh the audio was not there except for some squigs and 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 weird pops and occasionally occasionally a word would come through so I hope you all enjoyed from the long dead Patreon our look at Crockett Cup 86 I listened to the yeah, show I, let me I, just I, say it it hurt to hear that that episode didn't make it to air because and i don't want to be smug about this but i feel like i turned in the performance of a lifetime 
on that episode. You had some good ideas. We and, talked about the draft. I, no, no, I, I, I have, I, I would call them Nove diamonds. And you're right. You there were them? many. Yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly what I typically call them. And <laughs> I, I, there were many Nove diamonds <laughs> on that show. And it, now, granted, obviously it's a week old. I don't want to redo the entire show, but but one no, let, no let's diamond. Do the entire show word for no, word. no, no, no. Let's let's redo it. You're right. You're right. Uh, so so the draft Jeff, happened. The, so the, and Jeff, I'm thrilled to be here today. It's great to be with you all again <laughs> here on Shake Them Ropes. Let me drop a Nove diamond on you. That's actually how I opened the show. That's literally how I opened that episode. It's it's now and, our new format, by the way. You will be dropping a Nove diamond every week. A Nove diamond every <laughs> every week. And and the Nove diamond that I dropped at the beginning of the show was a premise that wouldn't it be neat if the draft actually meant something for once and was the catalyst for the launch of a new storyline and and you might say well occasionally chris something like that that approximates that that sort of feels like that to me happens and i would say you're wrong that feeling is bad and they've never would, done that <laughs> they've never actually done that you you want that to happen and i get that like we all have holes in our life and we want them to be filled and but th that doesn't happen all the time we wish we wish but wouldn't it be nice if the draft was the catalyst for the launch of a heel faction? And the way that they did that is they had several heels drafted to one brand, either Raw or SmackDown. Does it really matter? The answer is no. It doesn't really matter. But they all end up on this roster, and they decide that their fortunes would be better if they all federated together. And this was the launch of the new dominant faction on that brand. It's a very simple idea that has literally never happened in the life of this brand split. And I think that's a real commentary on how bad the premise of the brand split on WWE is. That was my Nove Diamond, Jeff. No, it was a very good suggestion because... And that also it's plays diamonds. into their instincts where every new heel stable wants to quote unquote take over. Cause chaos. Cause chaos. Disrupt the status quo. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And then like they proceed to not do that. Or or become the status quo like Judgment Day. Like the whole premise of Judgment Day when Edge founded it eight thousand years ago was that they were going to upset the Apple cart on Monday Night Raw. And now they have a loose alliance with Paul Heyman and the bloodline, which is like the most establishment thing you can do. I really still wish they had named themselves Judgment Night. And then they could have... maybe I, people keep slipping into Judgment Night. Yeah. So I, I mean, they really should. They should have gone with Judgment Night. Since rather they're than all Judgment dark Day. and spooky anyways. Um, I'm going to posit something to you that that. I think would be a idea, but would never financially work. After watching this backlash show, I think both AEW and WWE need to just get out of the United States for about a year. And then when they come back, we'll be a hot crowd wanting to see them because my God, that backlash crowd helped make that show. I, 
I enjoyed the hell out of watching that show. Even if, you know, even if the wrestling wasn't always great, it was at least very good. And it elevated the stuff that wasn't so great to being pretty damn good too. I love watching, I love watching a show. And it's one of the reasons I love watching like eighties pay-per-views out of like Baltimore and stuff. I just love it where they're just rabid the entire time. And that, that thing hit my sweet spot uh, there. And I'm, I'm hoping Wembley is the same way. Uh, 60, yeah, it 000. turns out that world plus wrestling plus entertainment is actually a good formula. And where WWE misses is that they're so obsessed with the entertainment component that they forget that actually if you go one-third, 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 that works for a lot of people. You know, they gave a love letter to that territory, especially during that, uh, during during the match, you know, where Savio Vega comes out and then Carlito comes out during the match. I mean, it was really, it was actually quite shocking to see a Vince McMahon product actually not want to use the crowd to get heat and actually want to make them go home happy. I, I was stunned by this, Chris. I still would have put the belt on Vega. I, I mean, but like that, that's a little bit too much to ask from this company. But like, yeah. I, I, I think when I think about wrestling in the 21st century and how does like a 21st century wrestling company stay relevant, there is of course always going to be a national model. Obviously there are a number of national models that are vibrant in Mexico and Japan. But if you're looking to do a global model, you got to really commit to the global model. And WWE has the resources to do that. I just don't know that they have the vision to. But whenever they accidentally stumble into these moments, kind of like Beast in the East, kind of like this backlash in Puerto Rico. Clash at the castle. Yeah. Right. Clash at the castle. It's like, oh, this is what this company could be. And this is intriguing. Yeah. Like that company interests me. I'm not interested in this U.S.-based kind of, okay, we run some global events occasionally, but like, and we're WWE, but like mostly we're sports entertainment. We're going to half-ass it in the small towns and we're going to wait to be in a big city to give them the good stuff. I find that completely uninteresting. Yeah. But- a global company that is trying to integrate wrestling that is happening in the United States, Mexico, Japan, in other pla- in the United Kingdom, etc., Germany, Europe broadly, uh, that intrigues the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I don't look at this pay per view with the delusion of what's going to come next. Oh man, this is a star or something. Nah, nah, hell no. But I will look at this pay-per-view as an assertion of my contention that this could be very interesting if they ever made it interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the kid with potential. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, no, WWE absolutely reeks of the kid with potential right now, which is weird to say for the big dog and the monopoly, and I think is maybe sort of counterintuitive. But like, 
I looked at this pay-per-view very much as the, oh, you guys could be a lot better than this if you wanted to be. I See, and that's kind of how I view in my lens AEW. Because I, there is a good wrestling company that, that I want in there. And I'm, I'm still debating whether or not wrestling has passed me by. Because it's one of those things where I want feuds and I want build and I want heat. And the younger fans that I talk to want good matches. And I'm just like, okay, but it doesn't grow the company. And, and so I'm still having that kind of, uh, kind of headbutting thing, but that actually leads me because we're going to talk in our new, there's not a lot of news. Um, you know, the ratings are down because the playoffs are on and the playoffs are killing these guys for the most part. Uh, but there is some rumor and innuendo out there that the big announcement next week will be at Upfronts for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. And that will be followed up for, on Dynamite as well. But, uh, the of course, the announcement of the Collision Show, which we've been talking about here, that will be on Saturdays. But that the announcement will be that the that AEW has signed a new deal uh, five years, somewhere within the $1.1 to $1.2 billion range, which I find fascinating. Like, number one, it's great. Okay, it's great for companies. Let, no, let's, no, let, like, let, let's let's start right there, right? Because I I know I hate the company or whatever, right? Uh, that's that's the rep. <laughs> no, no, I'm thrilled. No, I'm thrilled. We I, call like, balls like, and strikes. I think I think we call balls and strikes. We don't hate anybody. It's just well, no, no, I, no, no one's more objective than Novi. I I say that often on the show that you might even say this a ta- catchphrase of the show. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, you always say that it, oh, yeah. it's it's actually time. I I admire how much you say that it's <laughs> cool. But uh, b- but beyond that, right? I'm like le- legitimately thrilled that AEW has a five year guaranteed sort of contract. This is good for the industry writ large, even when wrestling has narrative lulls or whatever. The idea that there is a future for a secondary competitor to WWE is a good thing. And it's good for all of the talent. It's good for everyone in the industry coming up from the indies. It's objectively good. And anyone who tells yes. you otherwise or anyone who like qualifies it with any sort of regard or whatever, that's weird, man. That's all I can say. It fascinates me in my secondary interest in show business in some ways because announcing this deal in the middle of a writer's strike when David Zasloff took over this company and started cutting all sorts of scripted projects. Like there, there, there's a lot of people who are very upset that there's a Batwoman movie that they'll never get to see and anime things. And the screen actors guild is going to go on strike in about a month or so as well. If they don't join the writers guild sooner, but you have Disney, which just uh, missed expectations and their stock just dropped by 10%. You have, were they going to bring back Alicia Silverstone as Batwoman? No, no, they were not. No, no, this, no. this was this oh, that's was, unfortunate. This she was... really nailed it in the first time. <laughs> oh, I thought, don't do this to me. I'm trying Personally. to make a point here. No, um... no, I'm trying. I'm trying to make a serious point. Don't, don't interrupt me. 
Uh, you know, it was it was just weird that that, but especially Warner Brothers Discovery pled <laughs> poverty when they when they took over this company, and they started slashing everything about Max, and they combined the Discovery streaming service with HBO, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm wondering what it does to greater entertainment in some ways, because oddly enough, one of the things that we talked about last week that uh, um, we didn't. Uh, we're not going to necessarily regurgitate, but WWE had a very good quarter uh, this past time because it included the Rumble and WrestleMania. And their stock is near, I believe, 52-week highs. They're doing great for uh, Comcast, Universal, the Peacock streaming service as well. And and look, for everybody who's going to throw, that, uh, throw the AEW number in the face of WWE... Just wait, because WWE can point to stock price and go, hey, <laughs> we're worth it. We're expensive, but we're worth it. That kind of a thing. But I, I, I am interested in if this sends reverberations of, look, we've always known that the the holy grail of monetizing streaming is live events. And Paramount's in trouble because they can't really monetize. Uh, I'm wondering if AEW... There are too many streaming services. There are. AEW, not necessarily pay-per-view or any deals to stream anything on the streaming services, so that's not a thing, but I'm just talking greater entertainment. Wall Street told all these companies, you need to get an over-the-top streaming service for your thing, for your intellectual property, and, and their stocks went skyrocketing, and now they're just plummeting but i'm wondering how big of an fu to normal scripted entertainment this will be seen as that is an interesting question like and that maybe for wrestling right now especially with the non-unionized scripting that goes on with wrestling that maybe now is it's a great time to sit down at the table with these networks and broker a deal. You mean wrestling or, or the unions? Wrestling. I'm okay. talking about the wrestling. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Look, look, Vince McMahon's people aren't unionized. No, 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 no. Vince no. McMahon we're talking no. about. No, the only, time, so, the, the only time WWE uses union people is when it's contracted at the arenas, and then those guys just sit around while the rest of the other guys do the loadout and load in for the events because right. WWE has right. own people to do that. Yeah. Right. So in that case, it's like if I'm WWE, I'm trying to initiate conversation right now during this writer's strike. You think, you think they're basically, well, you think maybe, cause I remember the last writer's strike WCW almost ended up on NBC of all places. Right. Uh, That's right. I'm wondering, you know, I, I'd be interested, you know, if, if, uh, if and well, I mean, look, WWE's in the NBC family already with Comcast and their deal with Peacock. That you know that that just seems to be, you know, I, I don't think. Look, I, don't I think wouldn't every, put it. Uh, look, look, Vince McMahon's not someone who's going to be Court like. Court Bauer's going to flood up the rumor the... that ABC wants to sign MLW or something like that. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think I, I don't things. expect Vince McMahon to be like I stand up for the union man. No, like no, that's no, that you know no. he just never. No, no, not ever. 
yeah. Um, also, interesting news. Um, AEW will debut at the uh, TD Garden on Wednesday, July 19th with a live Dynamite and taped Rampage. It is a much bigger building that they've ever run in Boston, which is very interesting. Um, I know who they could debut there to help sell that place out. One Mercedes Monet. And if they have an influx of cash, I find that I find that to be very interesting. But um, it appears that with the 60,000 tickets sold in Wembley and with this goodwill, they're starting to grow a bit. Now, my thing about this is if you look at events that are currently on sale, like these house shows that they're, they're, they're running a house show in Kentucky, I believe, tomorrow. And it had like no buys whatsoever. And they have a house show in Salem, Virginia coming up. And, you know, there's middling sales. But, I mean, even Double or Nothing right now is about half full or half sold. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that, but it looked like there were, I think there were like 3,000 tickets still left for Double or Nothing. It's interesting where they're hot and where they're not. That, that's all I'm, I'm saying. It, it, it's like, I don't know if it concerns me because it's like, well... You know, you, you get the Dave Meltzer voice in your head where it's like, you know, television deals, you know, that's where the money is. Okay, so just concentrate on the television then instead of the live events. But, sure, but you still want big live events yes. in order to make the brand feel big. And, yes. and as you're saying all of this, and this is off the top of my head a little bit, it's kind of funny to me that none of these, neither one of these companies, and none of these, there's only two, Neither one of these companies have actually really entertained running in Africa somewhere. Uh, I, I mean, if you're looking to get a big house, you actually can do that on that continent. There's a great power the right Udi joke somewhere in there. I don't know. Where it right? Is. No, and I, no, no. no I, I'm not saying this to be joking. I, yeah. I, I, I'm saying I think that this is you know look look yeah you know, think like Muhammad Ali you know uh, back in the day, you could turn out big houses on that continent people live there i'm thinking uh, i think it's myopia start... to not 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 do it is my yeah, thought i'm thinking they're gonna start looking at these things like uh, aew seems to be more forward thinking in this and i i think you yeah know, stadium yeah, show in yeah. australia right yeah there you go. i mean i mean wwe does have Af i mean night of champions is technically in africa you know the uh well, middle east or is that oh, I, oh, the, 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 the Blood Bunny show. Blood Bunny show, yes. If you want to call it that, yes, you can be derivative. But they, they are running in a different continent, correct? Uh, no, I, I'm not being derivative. I'm not being derivative, Jeff. I'm being derisive. Okay. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yes. Uh, that, that's Thank because the government, of course. Dur. No, no I, I want, no, I want to clarify my position on this. It's it's because the leader of the, the head of state of that country killed the journalists of the United States, you know. Kind of, kind of a bit fashy, you know, as it were. I, I'm saying, you know, I'm thinking broader Africa. Oh, That's well, all I'm but, yes, but broader Africa is full of these types of regimes, Chris. No, broad, no, no, no. Broader Africa loves democracy. I won't debate this. Won't hear it. Next topic. <laughs> well, since I don't have a lot. Oh, well, we can go with this. Uh, Miro showed back up on Dynamite, as did Thunder Rosa. Fascinating. Outstanding. I, I know. I, I Thunder, love Thunder Rosa wanted to, Thunder Rosa wanted to have a meeting with Tony Khan, and I think she got it. I can't re quite remember. But I also what I do remember 
is that Tony Khan did like a, a promo-y thing this week, and it was much more human than in times past. I, I felt like he had had a speech coach who, who coached him up on being more normal. <laughs> and he did a good job. He did. Why won't you it's hire the Jeff? Heart. It's because Nova always insults Tony Khan. That's why. And that No, no, that's from the heart. Stop it. Stop it. When you when you say things like that, it hurts me. I, here's what I find funny in the discourse, so to speak. Oh, uh, when it, when tell it comes me about the discourse. Well, when it comes to like Miro and 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 things like that, it it's there's a certain there's a certain strain of AEW fan that thinks it's the WWE guys that are making this company more like WWE. And the irony to me is no. No, it, it, the guys who were in WWE don't want to do that stuff. It's the guys who were raised on WWE whose instincts are... No, Jeff, so, if, if you insult Tony Khan, you're never going to get hired there. Stop are, this. Are, are, are the whimsical... I mean, we have far too many comedy mid-card baby faces in AEW. That, that's, that's basically my point. And they're all whimsical, but this will uh, lead us into... The lazy river of wrestling. Oh, and, and the show's unformatted, it, it, like, or it's sort of loosey-goosey from week to week. But, like, that's a whole different thing. Well, we'll talk, I'm going to talk about that because I think I'll lead off the lazy river this week. But, uh, yes, oh, the lazy... Yeah. Dude, no, no. Oh, you, oh, it's your turn this week. That's fine. That's fine. Well, I always Introduce it. Introduce... Explain Can what I the lazy river it, please? is. please? Thank you. I, no, no, no. How does it feel to be me? How does it feel <laughs> How's it feel to have your, your shit stepped on for a change, Hawkins? Abusive. Tables, no, the tables have turned in the wrong way. There, Chris I was, I was quoting, uh, I was quoting, I was quoting, jumping Jeff Farmer. Thank okay. you, sir. <laughs> you turned the tables on me in the wrong way. The lazy river of wrestling criticism. Where we watched whatever uh, comes to mind about wrestling, we can talk about here, including ice, more ice cold thoughts on backlash, which again. Solid, solid outing from this company, uh, to be honest with you. But I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to start off talking about AEW Dynamite. Because I, I I listened to a couple podcasts reviewing it. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I, of course, did a podcast reviewing it. And the things I liked in this show were just the simple build things to me. Like, I... I didn't think it was a great home run, the four vignettes for the four pillars necessarily, especially the Sammy one just <laughs> they, they want to the, make up its mind. They they want to do was the my synergy. The yeah, one. they want to do the synergy with the reality show that airs after this. But Sammy's a heel and he should be a heel and he should be a heel in this vignette. Yep. But I admire yep, no, the effort. It, that was my issue. That, yeah. I, I, I particularly liked the creativity with Jack Perry and Christian yes. as his mentor. Yes. And having a heel be a babyface's mentor and that dynamic. I thought that that was fresh and interesting and well executed. Very well executed. I would have But yes, I thought the Sammy yeah. side was a miss. Yes, the Sammy side was it was it humanized him too much as it was <sighs> being the cocky guy who could win the title, which is all he needs. I mean, that, that's the log line for Sammy in this. I'm the cocky guy who can win this title, and I do high spots. And, and, and Ty Nara should have just been sitting there like, I can't wait until I get to be the queen of AEW. Yeah, I get when that When my first husband check. is king. Yeah. Yes, 
I I get to lord over this whole company alongside him, and we will sit in our chairs as king and queen of this company. Yeah. That that should have been the dynamic coming off of them. I had a bit of an issue with MJFs because I I wanted some resonance from the end of last week's Dynamite where he's scared and he's running off and almost being like he's trapped and he's almost indignant about how much he's going to win this thing. And my problem was he was talking about, you know, I've had one of the best chain matches in history. I've had one of the best Iron Man matches in history. I don't care about having good matches. I want you to say no, I no, his won those spiel's... matches. I won them as opposed to I had a Beyond good that, thing. his spiel should be like, I am, should not be in this match. This is unfair. I should only be facing one opponent. Yes. Like this, this whole company is conspiring against me. Like they never wanted me to be champion. I'm the champion. Nobody wanted basically pitching himself as an underdog, even though he's the overdog. I think we'll be talking about this later, but I, you know, I liked the Don Callis turn, but my favorite thing on dynamite was just, and look, it's straight out of Memphis. It was so simple and so good. But the setup for FTR versus Lethal and Jarrett was just basic pro wrestling feud building. And I loved it. I, I There were little things in there that I love, like Jeff Jarrett kicking the cup out of there because he's not going to partake in booze. Uh, look, you have to strain credibility sometimes and uh sure a blinded dax pile drove mark briscoe who is out there and you kind of i kind of want to follow up going with cash just looking at dax and going so your first instinct when somebody runs into you is to pile drive them but I, you know, oh well. So what happens if I run into you? You're gonna pile drive me, Dax? Huh? huh? It'd be, it'd be so funny to watch Dax basically spend like 90 seconds trying to futilely <laughs> explain yes. why he felt the impulse to pile drive yes, somebody and I go. Like, I at this, the end yeah. of it, and just sort of like throw his hands up and go like, "I don't understand why I do things either." If it makes you <laughs> he feel should any throw better, up his that, hand that's all. I, that's all I got. That's it's all I got. It's pro wrestling, dude. I don't know, but I did like you. Know, like I liked in the aftermath of the pile driver as well. They're cutting to each of the participants here and there, and I liked Jay Lethal's worry about his friend because there's something there. And I don't know how this with with Mark being the special guest referee, he may do a payback, he may do the right thing, but I like that there's layers to this as opposed to just, uh, as opposed to pro wrestling stupidity and and you know it was just a good basic angle and that's all I, that's all i really want in my week to week wrestling you can have your claudios versus ray phoenixes for titles that don't matter which you can get into that if you want but i i just want simple builds i don't care about good matches necessarily no i mean look uh, the They're ultimate nice payoff of mark and jay lethal coming together as a tag team, I think would be very narratively satisfying for people as a mid-card feud, especially I, if they ultimately became tag team champions. Yeah, I don't think, think that's that, happening. I think that's but, very intriguing. But I like I don't, it. You, I mean, you I say that. It. I pitch I mean, it. but why not? 
Right. Yeah. No, I know. I, I maybe, mean, maybe that like, is. Like, maybe that's why cool. not? And then Jarrett, yeah, right. Sutton, and Sanjay go off on their own, and they find somebody new. Right. Okay. Right. They find somebody new, but like, no. I mean, especially as they've been like increasingly teasing this on screen. Clearly, there's some thought that's going behind it, and I guess all I'm saying is, if that's the thought that's going behind it, I'm on board with it because I, I think. In particular, after Lethal had that match with Mark Briscoe, it was very hard to keep him as a heel. It, it's always been a bit of a lift, and I I, I think the crowd is ready to root Jay. Or, um, I'm sorry, I called him Jay Briscoe. Uh, Jay Lethal. Yes. Uh, they're ready to root Jay Lethal. Yeah. Uh, you go, sir. Okay. Uh, let's just cut to the chase on the main event here, Dynamite. Um. Was it a world-class steel cage match in and of itself? But like as an actual <laughs> wrestling angle and as like an overplot sort of thing, I found it pretty entertaining. Yeah. I, I think yeah. my my drawback was mostly after doing a basically a hardcore match, no holds bar. It was I think it was no holds bar between Anna J and uh the witch um i truly I am, a classic look i'm i'm a little i'm a little done with you have the step but we're gonna bring all these other things into it like the broken glass and the chair i get that those were callbacks i get that i kind of just want a plain cage match where the two guys settle it in the cage as opposed to going outside the cage or bringing weapons in the cage I get that it's modern I, I, wrestling. I get I it. I know it, it really when I heard like Kenny Omega's goal is to establish a new level of violence, I was like, this is gonna be a shitty cage match though. Like and, and because if that's the premise, then we're not really trying to settle the feud or anything. You know no, what I mean? No, we're we're doing the spot to set up another feud, uh, or heighten the feud. And I you know, I was fine with that, but I liked the angle and I liked I like Don Callis a lot. I am of the opinion that Don Callis is not going to align himself with the Blackpool Combat Club, but rather with another faction that eventually takes on the elite after this feud. But uh, what did you think? That's interesting. Danielson's commentary certainly left it ambiguous when he's like, no, I had no idea. He might have legitimately had no idea, right? Like it, it's the perfect sort of phrasing where they can write themselves out of it where he had no idea, or Callus decides to become the new mentor of the Blackpool Combat Club. I think either's possible. I honestly. think I think look, I think it would be great if he does. If he's if he's the JJ Dillon of this new horseman, I'm fine with that. I really am. I, I think him as a spokesman, I think he could be a bit overpowering. As a spokesman. Right, you know, here's the thing, is I think that the benefit of this faction, and I've been critical of it at various points, but, like, clearly a positive of this iteration of Blackpool has been Danielson has found his voice as a character on either side of the ledger, which has been a stumbling point. I think he's doing a very good job as, like, the leader of this heel faction right now. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go back to WWE for a moment. Uh, the thing on backlash that, uh, in our preview that never made air, 
that we that I worried about was the placement of matches. And I am still very, very now uh, adamant. They should have put that Bad Bunny match on last and let Bad Bunny have the moment and have the Puerto Rican celebration and go off the air. Because while, <laughs> while the Cody match was interesting with Brock, the ending left a little bit to be desired, but it's obvious that the old regime is back in by the way they are treating Brock. But that being said... Brock Lesnar's freaking awesome. Brock Lesnar is a guy I will watch whenever he's on screen because, again, he brings menace and he brings violence. And I believe his violence. And I believe he is a bit of a rage monkey, so to speak. I loved his promo on Monday where he's just screaming into the camera. You want to fight? You know, that kind of thing. Look at me. Look at my face. There's something to be said for believability. And I was I was believing every moment of it. And I, I, I just I adore Brock Lesnar as a person. I think that's a match that's gonna be interesting in Saudi Arabia as well. Because I boy, I hope they remember that they can't bleed. That's <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to bleed in Saudi Arabia. Um and it's really kind of a match that kind of needs the blood now that we've established it as part of the storytelling. It's gonna be fun. It's going to be interesting. I hope Brock isn't kept kept there. It gets on a private plane and leaves again. But uh, um, what did you think of the follow-up with Brock on Monday? My frustration with this Brock feud continues to be that there's clearly no logic as to the prompt of this Brock feud that we're just going to have to continue on with this. Well, he just started fighting Cody one day. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> I, I I find that so narratively unsatisfying in particular, because there are so many easy ways to narratively satisfy this. He has anger issues and he's just taking them out all of a sudden. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. It's not that Heyman works some sort of thing some sort of deal with Lesnar gave him an okie doke. <clears throat> and again, it's like, yeah, as you said, the, you can tell the old regime is writing the show and moments like this in, in the main event angles or main event ish angles, as it were absent Roman reigns moments like this really belie that the old regime is back and and this was the era that nearly bored me out of wrestling commentary perhaps as the light of some oh jeez uh, i'm i'm watching these shows on mute for the most part unless something's interesting to me cuz kevin patrick's just... uh, yeah, no i i'm watching right no kevin patrick's grading i i you know i tried to give him a pass but he just it's like I don't feel like he is part of the text. I feel like he's above it. Yeah. He doesn't uh, feel attached to the show. Your turn, sir. My turn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's go to Nixt. Um, so, on Nixt this week, I was disappointed in the way that they did the Braun Breaker trick williams match 
this should have been an annihilation of Trick Williams. Trick Williams should have went out there, and I thought they were going to do it. I Last week, I predicted it. You were like, no, no, no. And then I started watching the show, and I was like, yeah, no, Jeff's probably right. And then, and then they had me on the hook for a second, especially when Carmel was like, no, I got to be out there. I got to be back in my boy. I was like, yes, yes, let's do this. Let's kill Trick. Let's like if if Melo was a baby face, and I like Melo as a baby face. I'm not I'm not anti Melo as a baby face, but if Melo's a baby face, he's got hurt. He's got to feel his friends die, and he's got to be fighting for his friends and stuff. Like that's what motivates Melo. Mm-hmm. And watching his boy go down, and and not just go down in a competitive match, but get annihilated, and Breaker won't stop. I thought was very essential to establishing Melo as a true baby face. And, and I thought that this was, this was a real miss in terms of a characterization beat. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club com the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one now when i buy slab packs at arena club it finally feels like i know what i'm getting i was able to open an arena club slab pack and and i'll be honest it was a lot better than what you normally do say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast 
Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2k clear sight see who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door I mostly agree, but they they want to protect big guys. I mean, that's the only excuse. Well, I, no, I get, I know, I know, I know why I'm, they I'm do not, it. I'm not explaining it to you. I'm just saying I, I, it's it's one of those things where it's like I think it might just be an unreal expectation out of us. Yeah. You know? No, I know. Well, I I mean, but it, you're it's right. An unreal, I mean, you're, you're it's an unreal right. expectation out of this company, but yeah. like, it's not unreal to expect that you protect your champion over his sidekick. I will give you a choice of what I rant about. Either the firm deletion or this uh this best friends dark order or not dark order, uh is it the uh House of Black um thing on dynamite. Give me the firm deletion because I didn't even wa- I, I don't even watch Rampage, so it was yeah. uh for, for these types of things where you see so much creativity from the impact ones. And then you kind of get, you kind of get a less fun one when WWE decided to basically rip it off. 
this leans to me to be more WWE, to be honest with you. I just the joy of wrestling and the and the and the world that were built in Impact. This this is something that probably should have stayed dead. Um, Hook has no reason to be in this match and pretty much needs to be kept the hell away from it, to be honest with you, because he got nothing out of it. If you see anything in the firm, which I don't know if they do, even though they were the guys who helped MJF win the title, you gotta keep people like that away from it, but I mean, the Stokely parts were funny still, but they, there was no lake of reincarnation. Ethan Page literally had nothing to do in this match. It, it, it was so weird. The guy that had all these personalities and in, in impact that he could play off of. I, ju I think the firm were miscast here. The, the people to put in this match were, is that San Sanjay Jeff Jarrett crew. And then the end of this is just, you, you can tell this wasn't Barash, but the, the, this was Matt and, uh, Jeff doing their thing together. Number one, in those matches beforehand, Matt Hardy was a comedy character and he's kind of a serious character on AEW in some ways. Not all, but you know, he he was, you know, in in when they were doing this in Impact when they did like Decay or Deletion against uh Rosemary, Crazy Steve and uh whoever the other guy was. I forget who the third was. I miss Crazy Steve. Good old Crazy Steve. But, you know, there, there was that sense that this is all kind of ridiculous type of a thing. But this ended with, like, a Jeff Hardy, just pretentious artist moment with, you know, some symbol catching on fire. I didn't even really understand what the point of it was. It, it, it was as if somebody explained to somebody all these matches that they had had before and told you to write a script on it. It was kind of mid to me. It, it didn't use everything that they had. There were no cameos in it. There was no Lake of Reincarnation. There was no dilapidated boat. Even it was. It was just. It was kind of like okay, we're gonna have. They brought back uh, Isaiah Cassidy, and he jumped off of a roof. Or Mark Quinn. I forget which one was injured, but the uh, but the guy who was injured came back, jumped off a roof, which was impressive. Um, but it, it was just one of those things where you look at this and going, okay, what's the point of this? <laughs> and it doesn't have the well, joy. I mean, there's an important thing to remember, right? That that like here's the thing to remember, Jeff. Jeff Hardy is nowhere near as clever as he thinks he is. Yes. And that's the whole point of the Jeff Hardy point. <laughs> is that he thinks he's I mean, yeah. a filter. I mean, like literally, he needs ideas delivered unto him, and it needs to be driven through the Jeff Hardy character or whatever we imagine that to be in the year 2023. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I, it, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying it was kind of mid. That's all. Uh, your turn. No, but like I also don't like Jeff Hardy and hate that he's working and he's bad. So, But I would have kept mind. hooked the hell away from this. If you find anything that's star worthy of this, Keep the guys that you keep find value in away from the comedy right. stuff. Like, why why is Hook involved in this when he's someone who should be positioned as like just under the four pillars, right? Yeah, yeah. You've been making him like this world killer. I just, I, I, I really, I can't, I can't understand that. Right. Um. So, Gigi Dolan, <laughs> I. 
I'm fascinated with the concept of turning her baby face only to beat her constantly as a baby face. I don't think she's good, but how can you possibly make any hay um, when you get turned baby face and then lose a crap load? Well, I think it's also affecting her because she can't went on social media, posted an Instagram story that said uh, in very small print, I miss being PK. PK short for Priscilla Kelly, her former name on the Indies, with a goat mm. on there, I think. Uh, we'll see if they beat her more because she put that on Instagram. Uh, I know. I mean, she's not. Look, she's not wrong. This is this is just a death zone for any talent. Yes. I, I again, I'm not a huge booster of her, so I'm not saying this is like, oh, I think she'd be a world beater if, but I, I'm more saying. I don't think you could take the best wrestler, take them from heel, turn them babyface, and start beating them constantly and have them be a viable unit going forward. I will now rant, do my other rant. I hated, hated this promo with the best friends right before their match with the House of Black. We've already convoluted the trios titles to a match that has four different stipulations in it, including one that the opponents pick, which is called dealer's choice, even though the House of Black are the dealers. But nevertheless, I'll continue. So we have Orange Cassie back there after his match with um, Daniel Garcia. And he's like, I think I can fit more belts in my backpack. He's there to, you know, cut jokes and stuff like that. But then the best friends are back there. And they ask him what stipulation they're going to be using. And it's like they had forgot to do their homework. And I get that it's supposed to be a laugh moment. But again, we have far too many mid-card comedy baby faces in this company. Because we have the Dark Order, we have the best friends, we have... It, uh, it, aren't we past Orange Cassidy laugh moments at this point? Yeah, I mean he he's the best champion this company has right now, right? But nevertheless, yeah, no, he's like the actual fighting champion of the company. It took me immediately out of the match that these guys. Ha I mean, you have a title match. It's time to serious up a bit. And hey, we've been thinking about this. And here's our stipulation. Not a joke stipulation like, okay, we, we we can only win this match or something like that. But I mean, no. Something that's interesting that benefits them. And I think part of it is there's too many stipulations in this match to begin with. And it should just be, okay, you pick the stipulations, we'll beat you at whatever match you pick. And I think that would have been fine. But it's like they don't care about the match enough to think in in the world that they're in. And wrestling, as I said on my Wednesday show, wrestling and other television shows are very, very easy for the most part in terms of keeping viewer interest. The only rule you have is you have to set rules and then you have to abide by those rules. And, and here, all the characters in that world have to follow those rules and and be thinking and operating within a logic that yes. reflects those rules. Yes. That's it. Yes. So basically what you've said is we're, we're, we're giving the, the best friends and Bandito a trios title match, but they didn't bother to think of the stipulation, which is part of the entire, whatever the hell they're calling it. The, the 
house rules or whatever. So why the hell should I care? Because they don't care enough about this match to to take it seriously. Now I like the move. Well, okay, so like think about this like as a fighting promotion too, right? Yes. The whole intrigue of UFC, Bellator, these sorts of things, you have these competitive matches for the titles. Imagine if you were getting ready to watch a UFC fight and it appeared that the guy going up against Conor McGregor didn't really know what time of day it was when he was at the press conference. Oh, whoa, you mean I'm having... (laughs) Yeah, oh, you you mean I'm having a fight against Conor McGregor next week? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That'll be crazy. Yeah. Wow. What I wonder how that'll go. Wait, like, I was no. signed for a fight two months ago. Why didn't anybody tell me? What this? What does that do in terms of fight promotion? You know what I right. mean? Like you're right. going up against Mike Tyson. James Buster Douglas is utterly flummoxed. Like, oh, you mean, oh, that Mike Tyson. Oh. <laughs> Damn, that one? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, that's not building intrigue. That doesn't get you pay-per-view buys. And I get that this title match is not about pay-per-view buys, but if we're making a phony sports promotion, which is at the heart what wrestling promotions are kind of supposed to be premised around, it kind of matters, right? Yeah, and, and that's all I want. I want this to matter to them. That's the whole, that's my problem with the comedy baby faces is that I look, I like comedy, but I want comedy to be my sorbet to cleanse the palate of the seriousness to kind of release tension. And instead what I get is an occasional serious angle to offset the comedy. And it's not an enjoyable experience for me in some ways. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the dark order, they're just a bunch of geeks who get a paycheck. And they run around. They don't have any real purpose. You have the best friends kind of half-assing it because that's Orange Cassidy's gimmick. I get it. It's just like, like, but then you have like emo cowboy Adam Page and he's supposed to be serious, but he's also emo cowboy. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not really that angry. I'm just kind of sad all the time. You're like, does anybody care about this stuff? <laughs> you know, it's one of the reasons why the Pillars thing isn't... Uh, isn't clicking either it's because these guys have no real motivation in terms of in this world no i i i I i'll push back against that a little bit we we reviewed everyone else's promos i thought darby's was pretty damn good i I liked darby's i liked yeah i liked darby's a lot dude and and, and, you know i know it's been up and down week to week in terms of characterization with darby but when they hit it they hit it. Yes. There there are moments where this guy feels like a legitimate effing champion. And especially with Sting stamping his imprimatur on it. Like, there are moments where this guy feels right. Yes, and, don't call him a failed skateboarder and you're fine. I, I know. Well, no, if they'd stop duffing it, sure. <laughs> but when they when they when they don't, it's good. Yeah. No, I mean that end. That end, I think, uh, like the Jungle Boy one. I actually, I didn't like Jungle Boy's part in it because it's just like I don't want. I want Jungle Boy to basically say, 
I'm coming in there to fight. And, and, and instead he's doing the things where it's like, you know, Max only wrestles four times a year. It's like, yeah, he's the champ. He can do that. That's part of his <laughs> type of thing. It's just like one of those things like, yeah, he's getting paid the same. What, what are you complaining about, Jungle Boy? <laughs> uh, it's your turn. I continue to find myself mildly intrigued by Mr. Stone and Von Wagner's interactions on a week-to-week basis. Oh, really? Okay, why? It's what was not, this week? Because I missed it. it. This week, we're, we're still on the skull injury from when he was a child. Yes. And Stone... Uh, with with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer, tries to shoehorn asking about the skull injury, where he's like talking. I think this week he was talking about babes or something like that. He has a baby and when like he had surgery, and that's why it, he has like a, such a protruding forehead too. Right, right, and he's kind of like talk to me about this. You know, it kind of like, well, how do you feel? I, I forget what the what the whole setup was. As I said, I thought it was about girls, but it's not. It might not be. Um, but then we get into the photo of him with the head surgery, and Vaughn doesn't want to talk about it. And, like, it's not. We're bringing it up look, on TV, and we don't want to talk about it. That's so great. It's not. <laughs> no, I, I get that. I get that. But. The one thing I've always enjoyed about this angle is that it all started on this realization internally that they've done literally none characterization between Stone and Wagner. (laughs) And this is at least something. Yeah. You know how this, we know how this angle ends, right? Von Wagner gets called to the main roster and Stone gets fired. That's (laughs) because it's Vince and he doesn't like managers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Or maybe Von <laughs> Wagner has like rage brain because of the surgery. Yeah. Some new condition that Vince comes up with. Oh no, he gets he gets yeah, like he's, he's got he's got brain angries. That's that's what he's got. He uh, the surgery made him. He has like a brain rage he has thing. Psychic power. That's, that's <laughs> oh my god! And he crushes people with his mind as opposed to with his body. Hey, he gets in the ring. So <laughs> his. His name is Von Wagner, the mind mangler. And he goes in and he uses a psychic clothesline. Yes, that's what it is. Um, he, he comes out with a cape and, and like, let, let, let. <laughs> yeah. take you remember Magic Garn? Yeah, no, they should. Magic, Magic guard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mind oh, good lord! He did. and then it requires the other guy to do a whole lot of acting in there. Like you'll just see Mustafa Ali just pretend to be crushed by the mind of. <laughs> he he does like the Darth Vader. My neck is being choked. Gimmick. Yes. From yes. Uh, from New Hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ali's in there, like you know, getting goozled by the mind mangler from the other side of the ring and michael cole's going i can't believe he can do this with the power of his brain yes and Corey graves explains that it was due to a brain neurism yes but it was in the hospital he gained these powers yes he had a terrible crippling brain neurism as a baby 
and that made him psychic. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, my last one, uh, I watched a couple episodes instead of NXT, oddly enough, of uh, Memphis Wrestling from 1986 that I just happened upon that I wanted to see. Uh, I, I, I actually saw the, the debut of Bam Bam Bigelow in the States, which is the way that they promoted him should have been how they did Wardlow. He comes in, he beats two guys in like a flash. And then the next week, there's 15 minutes worth of show where Bam Bam Bigelow is just, they're showing highlights of him being two guys at a house show. They have a match before his where Jerry Lawler and the guy known as Uncle Elmer beat a guy and beat, beat a team in 22 seconds. Bigelow comes out and he's livid. So he goes in the ring, he beats a guy in 13 seconds to set it up. I mean, he it, it's it's overkill but it works. And the other just absolutely fascinating thing I saw. I never remembered this. I never heard of this. The only time I remember Buddy Landell as a babyface was in Smoky Mountain towards the end of his career. Right. Right. That's that's how I always think We got a little bit face. of babyface Buddy Landell in this match cuz he's going up against a uh, JD uh, Jim Cornette ripoff manager in in Memphis who he 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 uh he managed Fire and Flame and he managed the Mod Squad but basically they burned his face and he's out for revenge before eventually turning heel and teaming with Bill Dundee again which was always his move it, it's just one of those things where I'm watching I'm like he's not necessarily good because he's still cutting Buddy Landell promos <laughs> which are very heelish at sometimes. But it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see people's range in territories that you never saw them. So, uh, and I, I've I've grown to love Buddy Landell over the years. I mean, you, you can definitely see he was on a lot of cocaine <laughs> when he was young, and and that's a shame because I mean he had something, and he was so smooth in the ring. And I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm I'm now starting a Memphis watch because I, Memphis is a hole in my resume, and the simplicity with which they, I mean, on that second show, in addition to just an extent, this was like the week after July Fourth, so there are like six music videos in a row. There's like one to Wild Boys by Duran Duran. There's one to Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood, but that that hits my sweet spot because i love those types of hype videos i wish they'd do more of those in wrestling right now as we speak because it helps get guys over that's all it, it no i'm i'm with you i mean make stars feel like stars and yes. stars have music videos it's yes. like not rocket science as opposed to, to <laughs> the the ring of honor champion fighting the ring of honor tag team champions for Ring of Honor title shots two weeks before an AEW pay-per-view on an AEW show. That's all. That's <laughs> And, I mean, in terms of other things in the show, I know we quickly touched on Anna J versus Julia Hart. Look, it's that, that was, I think, below the standards of what Dynamite should be putting on air on Dynamite. I'm all sorry. the good stuff happened at picture during picture-in-picture. Because they were yeah. chopping the crap out of each other during that time. It's like, uh, and, but and it no, broke like, down. Hurling, hurling each other into guardrails is perhaps the most pedestrian and boring thing you can do in a, one of these no hole bars matches. Yes, it, it, I, it's, a, 
it's a walk before you run thing. I mean, these 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 women can't really do great matches, but we're gonna put them in a in a street fight and hope they stay safe. It's like no, right. <laughs> they're gonna do one of two things: either be very cautious, being cognizant of their limitations, and thus just do guardrail spots. Yes, or be reckless and. Neither of these two pathways are actually laudable pathways that we should want them to be pursuing. No. No. Anna Jay um, in the death match, though. Orange Cassie versus Daniel Garcia. Fun little fun little loved sprint. It. Yeah. Yeah, loved it. Um, I, I think that like, you know, the they could have done I, I think they just need to do more with Orange Cassidy getting more and more beat up everywhere. Yes. Yes, I need to see. I need to see the result. I need to see him being taped up more and more. I so need to see, there, there's yeah. this, there's this. Where's Waldo book? It's the red one. I think it's fine. Waldo now, uh, and in that one, Waldo keeps losing s- stuff on his person, and by the end of Fine Waldo now, he like doesn't have any of his things anymore. He's like not like naked. This is Waldo we're talking about. He's not like that. Come on, people. I want Orange Cassidy to keep getting more and more bandaged. No, I want him more bandaged week over week. And, and I, then I by the end, and the, the punchline the is knee. the punchline is he comes down in a body cast and he pins somebody. <laughs> no, right. Before he loses the title, he manages to somehow win, even like basically completely wrapped yeah, up. He or beats something. Stokely yeah. that way, yes. That's. <laughs> That would be so fun. Yes, a manager, a manager gets a match against him in a body cast, and he still manages yes. to win. Um, uh, I, I thought Danny. But no, he Danny should be Garcia's, getting more and more. You know, Danny yeah. Garcia losing because he's sports entertaining is something. Because I don't know how you get him out of this. I don't. It, I don't know why the, you got him into this a second true. time. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I don't have anything else. Do you? No, I, I mean, the Daniel Garcia thing, definitely. It's, it's very frustrating in the sense that, like, getting him out of this is a problem because this is the second time you've gotten him into this. Yes, they've painted and... themselves in the corner with him and with Ricky Starks in some ways. Yeah. Oh, my God, Starks, right? He's just treading water. I'm going to show uh, you how a legend. <laughs> I am so sick of this bullet club like okay <laughs> i i've had it with all these snakes on this plane yes <laughs> indeed no i i i feel your vibe but my guy yeah this is not making stuff no it, it's not uh but we'll end it there you can follow me at crap game 13 you can follow chris on instagram at dr nov d-o-c-t-o-r underscore n-o-v you can follow the show Shake Them Ropes, all one word on Twitter. Updated only when uh, either I screw up <laughs> or when a new episode comes out. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Podcast for all of your various wrestling needs. If you need more audio out of me, why wouldn't you? Uh, you can subscribe to the Patreon over at Fight Game Media. I do the Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine every Wednesday. We go on about... 15 minutes afterwards and, and record a show thorough deconstruction of dynamite. Uh, Chris has other interests. He's going to tell you about them now.
oh my god i like stuff and one of the things i like is teaching music it's true it is oh no stop stop no i like it and if you want to get music lessons from me you can hit me up on the Instagram, as Jeff said, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. I like teaching music lessons. And guess what, Jeff? Guess what? 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 You don't even know. You don't even know. I no, you seen. asked me what. I, I'm asking you what. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's called a surprise. Don't you like the element of surprise? Not really. Okay. We're doing a wrestling show, though, right? I don't like surprises all that much, but continue. No, that's true. That's true. Well, guess what? Surprise. I'm doing a Jimi Hendrix camp this summer. Hmm. And, it, yeah, I know. I know. And, and these are actually more affordable than my regular lessons, and they actually go longer because they're group class sort of things. So if you want to check out me spewing on Hendrix, we're going to be talking about Are You Experienced? Axis Bold is Love and Electric Ladyland over four weeks. Hit me up. Now is the time to enroll. So that's Dr. Nov on Instagram, D O C T O R underscore N O V for the Jimi Hendrix course. Yeah, normally you don't even listen to this section, but this week, this week, something interesting happened. So see what happens when you just leave this show playing? Think about it. Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.